Welcome back to Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Deborah. It's about like a month since I recorded, even though the last time I recorded was a pretty big news of the ACC moving to three three five schedule. Um, but we have realignment happening right now. So on Thursday, in case you've been living underneath a rock, John Warner. If you don't know who John Warner is, he is essentially the person that. The media says if he says anything's happening with the Big 12, it's probably, it's yeah uh, with, the, with the Pac-12, it's happening. Uh, on Thursday, he reported that USC and UCLA were moving to, looking to move to the Big 10 starting in 2024. And sure enough, by the end of the, of the day, we got news that they were moving to the, to the Big 10. And they had been accepted, uh, the schools had voted on them, and they would be out in 2024. And we got a lot of laughs off because, I mean, it's honestly really funny to see the map of, you know, you have your Ohio State, Michigan, and even kind of like the Penn State and Rutgers while they're still there, like on the eastern, eastern east coast. And then you just go across the Rockies and you have USC and UCLA. It's like, what the hell are they doing here? But you also have like the sense of dread and worry of like, hey, what's happening next like are we going to keep having to go through this and b you know what does this mean for the for wake in the acc i mean the first thing is kind of a little media lesson in terms of when you see stuff out there of like i've seen this rumor and this rumor be wary about who's putting it out there and why it's being put out there. In coaching searches, you know, it's the same sort of thing in terms of like there's reasons certain names get floated around. You see Hugh Freeze's name being thrown around a bunch when it comes to coaching circles. He just has a good agent. Dave Gosson was a big name coming up in um in coaching in coaching searches last year, Virginia Tech and for Washington. There was reason for that, and it wasn't because Dave Clawson was trying to leave. When you see, a, it can even be reported, but when you see these things that are like sources says this or source says this, I remember there was one, there was one person, um, I think it was Adam Renberg, who does a very good job, um, does a very good job, uh, had a quote from a source that said that it was going to be a source on our day, quote unquote, it was, it's really unsustainable to be an independent now. Take a step back from there and go, who would benefit the most from saying that? You don't have to think about, you don't have to necessarily pinpoint and say, oh, this is exactly what it's coming from. But if you take a step back and say, Notre Dame would never say that about themselves, because why would they A, admit that and lose all their leverage and B, ever just say that publicly in general? You know what? Like, who who has the incentive of saying that? Would the ACC have an incentive of putting that out there? Probably. Would the Big Ten have an incentive of putting it out there? Probably. <laughs> and so, be wary about all, about all of that. Like, not every rumor, not every you hear someone says source this, source that. There are reasons why certain things are being put out there. There's also a reason why. OU in Texas moving to the SEC last year and USC, UCLA came out of absolutely nowhere. That's not going to change. 
Notre Dame is kind of the thing we've honed in on because it's the glaring elephant in the room of like, okay, this is the next domino to drop maybe. But as a whole, when people are like, oh, no, I think I, I think I hear this is going to be the team on their wish list or this is the team on the wish list, what sense does it make to have that out there? It doesn't doesn't do anything. So just be just be wary about that. So speaking of teams that were looking to get out, uh, there were Dennis Dodd I reported that uh, Oregon and Washington were kind of sniffing around a bit. And on June 1st, he reported that uh, Oregon and Washington have been told by Big Ten that it is banning Pat for now, waiting on a decision by Notre Dame. So if you take a step back and you go, wow, like pretty much every conference would love to have uh, Oregon and Washington. They're two big markets. Oregon is bankrolled by Phil Knight for a bit. Washington has a college football playoff appearance. Like, you know, what's going on in there? And it comes down to the simple math. So John Canzano, who is another really good reporter out west, covering the Pac-12, actually spoke to the former president of the networks. Um, they talked about plenty of, plenty of stuff in, in their article. But they also, one of the big things talked about was, you know, Oregon and Washington, you know, like, weren't they ex- like, autom- automatically accepted? Or why aren't they even thought about in the original deal to bring over USC and, U- and UCLA? And simple math equation, uh, quote-unquote, it doesn't kill the possibility of Oregon and Washington following USC in the conference. It just means that the Big Ten members have two options that they're going to do. A, be okay with about $6 million less annually to have Oregon and UW in the house. Or B, welcome Oregon and Washington to inform the new conference they won't get full distributions for a while. Now, why is that? So in the article, they mentioned that bringing in those two teams with the Oregon and Washington television markets would only generate an additional $60 million in combined revenue. That's a really big number. $6 million is nothing to sneeze at. But compared to what UCLA and USC brought in, there's still a break-even point of, you know, you're splitting up the pie. And there's only so much money to give out, and you have to split the pie in X amount of ways. And what Thompson said, the Big Ten decision to add two Los Angeles-based universities, which are in a simple math equation. The 14 existing conference members know they'll receive approximately $71.4 million per university under a new Fox deal. Adding two more partners only made sense that they could generate a minimum of $143 million in additional distributable revenue. That's your big takeaway of Oregon and Washington from what we're hearing, what's you know, talking to people who would have knowledge of what's going on there and how these markets work. Oregon and Washington, two big brands, whether you're on the East Coast or not, like, I know there's a big bias. There's the East Coast bias. It's like, oh, this is what we see. Washington's a very big brand. They go all out for their games. Oregon, huge brand. If those teams are only bringing in an additional $60 million in revenue, what does that mean in terms of I see fans and people talking about, oh, UNC, oh, Louisville, oh, NC State, oh, even FSU to a certain, they, they're still a big draw right now. They're still a little, their value's diminished. It's still big, but it's diminished because they aren't winning. If they're not going to take these programs that are, that have been good and make a lot of money and are the only team, really the only teams in their markets, Washington State and Oregon State don't really bring in a whole lot of money. Look at it. For, they're not going to sit there and take these chances on bringing in a team like a UNC or, or NC State or a, Louisville until it's more of an okay, let's just start 
cutting everything down. And I don't think anyone's in a position to start chopping all the divisions, all the conferences down. They're just not worth. You're just not worth that much money. And so that's where I get these. I see these sort of again the ACC. Was the ACC going to survive in 2036? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's likely. But I think the ACC at least survives for the next few years. I could be wrong on that, but I. I think they survive for at least a few more years, and that that's a big reason. Another big reason for that is the grant of rights. So the grant of rights, if you don't know what that is, is essentially this document signed by all of the ACC members, um, and in, well, it's 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 across every single conference. Um, the World College Sports an agreement to where schools agree to transfer their media rights to their conference for a set period of time. So. For the ACC's perspective, the ACC owns the rights, the media rights to all the ACC teams and Notre Dame's with the exception of football until June 30th, 2036. I see a lot of message board lawyers and clear lawyers always like saying, well, you know, you can get around this and you can get around this and why don't you just try this and try this? So the athletic actually went to a lawyer and asked him point blank and he actually had a copy of the, the original ACC's grant of rights and they asked him you know how would you look to get around this and pretty much every answer that he could come up with was there was an answer but it was also a a lot of hesitation there um they talked to they talked to Mark Wilhelm who had copies of the ACC Big 12 and also the Pac-12's grant of rights um, they asked him, you know, what, how would you do this? Uh, quote, unquote, the first would be for the school to simply move to the conference and leave its rights behind, which is likely a non-starter because without its rights, that school would be of considerably less value in another league. The, the new league wouldn't be allowed to sell that school's right to a network, which likely puts an end to any potential marriage. That is probably the biggest reason of why the ACC teams haven't really tried to try to leave because if you have, if you don't have your rights, you don't have any sense of value. If you're the Big Ten and you're trying to sell this deal to Fox, you're trying to sell this deal to um, to NBC, you're trying to sell this deal to Amazon, to any of the streaming services. What you're doing, what you're saying is, oh yeah, we're going to bring in this 17, 18, 19 team, but they don't have their rights. And every time you show them, you're not giving the money to me you're giving the money to the ACC no one in their right mind both the both the TV and the conference are going to want to do that quote unquote the second option is for the school is sue to try to get the rights back it's also being exceptionally risky it's going to be incredibly expensive one set and there's a lot of certainty that school is not going to win so the biggest thing there is if you look at the ACC's grant of rights it is a 16-page document. Of those 16 pages, three and a half of them actually involve any sort of terms and condition. The other 12 and a half are essentially just people signing. Um, from Wilhelm, who looked at it, it's more of a feature rather than a bug. That just adds a layer. Of what else am I allowed? To, what am I allowed to sue on, or how am I going to get out of this? There's less. There's less actual legal language for you to sit there and nitpick through. And I think that was done intentionally by the ACC and it's a 
good thing for them they did that, but it's a big reason of why people have decided to not challenge this. I mean, you can look, they even mentioned Arco, but you look at Oklahoma and Texas, two teams that are worth a lot of money, have a lot of lawyers, and have said, you know what? It's not worth our money to challenge this grant of rights, not pay an exorbitant exit fee. They're deciding, you know, we'll just eat the money. We'll just whenever we need to decide to get to. And also, they still haven't given a day in a year when they're actually going to be leaving the SEC. If those two teams that are have way more money than pretty much everyone in the ACC has aren't willing to challenge that, you can either be broke or stupid. Pick, pick a struggle. And I think people are just deciding not to do it. And this isn't something people aren't just all of a sudden because of this looking to do this. There's a reason USC and UCLA are leaving until 2024. That's because that's when their that's when their media rights get come back to them and they're allowed to sell them to someone else. Challenging this grant of rights, while I'm not sitting here saying it's it's the most ironclad contract of all time and there's not a single loophole in it, there's so many things that can go wrong and how long is this going to be drawn out for. People teams aren't gonna aren't gonna want to do that. And I've seen people go, oh, well, what if this what if this one team grows the balls in order to do it and, and everyone else does it? That's cool. It's fine. You're still going to spend a lot of money for a fight you won't win. Well, unquote, one key question. Which state laws governs the deals? If I look at my employment agreement with the athletic, it tells me that it, it is governed by the laws of the state of California. There's no such clause in any of this deal. This to Wilhelm is a feature rather than a bug. It adds another layer of complexity for any entity wishing to challenge the deal. So before we even get to the arguing about is this a contract or is this enforceable, you have to first figure out what court we're supposed to be in. Like I said, like lawyers will spend months arguing about what court you're going to be in, even when you're in the court, what law applies. This is not something that's going to be this clean, handshake, done, whatever. And so that's another reason why I'm just keep pushing the brakes on, you know, all these teams are going to look to do that. ESPN has no incentive to ship Clemson to the SEC right now. They have no they have no incentive to ship an, an FSU, a Virginia Tech, not because those schools aren't worth more, but actually kind of the opposite of that. If you're telling me I get to show all of these teams that are worth a lot of money and I don't have to pay a lot of money for it, I'm going to continue to do that. And so I go until so it's time for me to as cheaply as possible say, okay, let's start consolidating all of this. And on the other side, if I'm if I have these guys for cheap, why am I gonna let them go to the Big Ten or go to Fox or go to NBC and have them make more money and then in turn I make less money? This isn't and this isn't something that is just spawned up because USC and UCLA did this, and the, and the fans' minds did, but lawyers have been working on these for years in terms of how to get around this. This isn't the first time Notre Dame, Clemson, FSU, et cetera, UNC, et cetera, have all started to go, oh, okay, let's look at the look at the grant of rights and see what we can do about this. If it is, they need to be fired, but I can assure you it's not the first time they've looked to get out of these this grant of rights. So the one thing that's, that the, the one gold-domed elephant in the room is Notre Dame. Uh, 
Notre Dame isn't bound by the grant of rights in football, so they don't have that issue to go along with. But there is a large sum of money that is at play for them. I mean, it's a big reason besides there's a whole host of reasons why they haven't gone to a conference. But a big reason is something that uh, Mike Berendino, who covers Notre Dame from for USA Today, talked about in an article this past weekend, uh, quote unquote, then again, the modest ESPN broadcast contract with the ACC doesn't just run through 2036. It includes a provision that if Notre Dame were to join any conference in football before 2036, it would be contractually obligated to join the ACC. The exit fee for that request, should Notre Dame opt for divorce, would figure to offset a good portion of any windfall that comes from jumping to the Big Ten. And again, maybe the other Big Ten schools, currently at 16 and counting, would be willing to share the burden. Again, I don't think this is something that is you cannot chart. You cannot challenge in court. It's a very expensive thing to challenge in court. You know, maybe Big Ten or someone else helps them up the legal fees there. But the biggest thing to me is the exit. So when Maryland left in 2014, they obviously went to court <laughs> with the ACC in order to get to try to get out of it, um, and they ended up reaching a settlement. That instead of the $52.2 million that they were supposed to pay, which was three times the ACC's operating budget at the time, which was, I believe, the I believe the penalty um, moving forward is three times of that operating budget. They ended up having to pay $31.4 million. And that actually got off somewhat scot-free because they ended up not having to cut a check, but that was the amount of money the ACCA had withheld from them. Um, and then they ended up taking out a couple of loans in order to, to pay off things they needed to do, rode off into the sunset in the Big Ten five, where everyone washed their hands there. Maryland and Notre Dame are in two separate, separate stratospheres. There is absolutely zero way, because this isn't just the ACC saying, hey, Notre Dame, we need you and we want you. This is ESPN being like, oh, we're not letting this cash out go. You can't sit here and say, if you're the if you're the ESPN, say, you know what, we're you you got a bag from from the Big Ten. We'll reach a settlement. Go there. I don't. And I've I've heard a lot of I've heard numbers. Nothing that I'm willing to sit there about. This is the exact. I've heard 150. I've heard 200 million dollars. I have no idea if either of those are accurate, but I have heard it's a pretty it's a pretty large sum of money. And it's something that has been noted by just about everyone that's covered the ACC or in covering the alignment is that they're going to have to pay that they're gonna have to pay that money. Uh, and so and also, they're also going to have to pay for the grand, the grand rest of their sports. If you're Notre Dame, you're not going anywhere else without the rest of your sports. If you're making a move like that, you're not leaving anything. Right? You're taking all of it, you're bundling it all together and saying, this is, this is who we are, this is the money, we're going from there. It's one thing, and it sounds weird to say, oh, this, is, this, is a lot of, this isn't a lot of money. It's, for $50 million, you know, that's fine. For $200 million, that's a lot of money to ask for some from somebody. And ESPN isn't going to sit there and be like, oh, you know what? We'll be nice. You know, you guys have been such a nice partner with us for the last six, seven years. We'll give you 
we'll give you 10, 15 years, you know, if it's $200 million over 10 years, $20 million a year, they can eat some you. They're going to want that money then. Or in the next two, three years, they're going to want that money then. You're not, you're not getting out of that, especially if you're going to another network. You're, they're going to get their money and redistribute that across the ACC. Um, and that's something that Notre Dame has to weigh right now is, you know, is them getting that is them getting this huge contract that I think even for a year, because their media rights for football are still with NBC, but you know, there are ways to work around that. How much money is leaving? How much money are you going to leave on the table by not joining a league? Your access to the playoff, your access, where your, where your non-football sports going to go. They care about those things. They're not just going to care about football. You know, if they feel and if they feel that something is being pressed on them for the super conferences, and eventually they need to have access to to the playoff, is it something they can jump in now, or is it something they can jump in later? But also, two hundred million dollars is nothing to sneeze at, and I think that's something that every Notre Dame writer, at least I've been able to glean from, has been able to say like, that's a big chunk of change no one wants to pay. So. We'll see. Um, I think the biggest thing is I, I know people want the answers now. People want this, like people want everything now and to figure out what's next. And I'm someone that is like, I would like it too, but I don't know if we're in a place that I don't, I don't know if we're in a place that will have this answer tomorrow or have this happen this week or have this answer this year. I don't know. I really don't know. It sucks from a wake perspective. It sucks from a lot of perspectives. It sucks from at least from a wake perspective because it's, it's a thing of, you know, you're finally starting to be good and you really go like, man, you know, you finally come off a good year. You get to try to get back it up this year, but what is it? What is the next? What is the next realm for you? Is it? Are these next couple of years auditions? Like, are, are, and it's not just Wake. It seems like Wake, but it's like, are these next couple of years auditions? Are you saying, hey, like, do we have a fighting shot to get in? And so, can we put together nine, ten win seasons and say, hey, we belong to be here. We're we're now in that class of people, whether regardless of how big we are, we're that class that's going to be someone that is going to contend and be a problem for a lot of people. Is it something that they're going to have to try to bet on themselves and say, hey, you know, I know we don't have the money, but we don't have the people to, to be to be alongside of Georgia or Bama. And when the Super Conferences come, but it's like, well, you know, you need people that are going to. You need people that are going to be viewed as as easy wins, but not all of them are going to be easy wins. If I look at that's a really interesting thing I looked at was in the last 30 years. Someone like a South Carolina pulling out of, out of a hat. Put them side by side with Northwestern. South Carolina in the last 30 years is only six wins better than Northwestern. South Carolina is 187 and 175. Northwestern is 181 and 181. So a 51.7% winning percentage versus a 50% winning percentage. That's a huge sample size and, and allows a lot of years bad and a lot of years good.
if you're in a super conference, super conference is, let me just lay out a list of teams that would be in it. And let's say if it gets to 40 teams, I'll, I'll get 40. Arkansas, Missouri, Indiana, South Carolina, FSU. What, how do you sell to those fans of those schools? Hey, I know we're getting a lot of money. And by we, I mean the school and the suits and maybe not the players. We're getting a lot of money. And what we're giving you is this super league. But we get to go two and 10 every year. How does that sound? And at first, it seems like drastic. And none of those teams are going to, none of those fans are going to sign up for it. You go two and 10 a few years, they're gone. Those teams want to fire coaches that are going after six, seven wins a year. But look at South Carolina's schedule this year. They went seven and six. Uh, their wins were against Eastern Illinois, East Carolina, Troy, Vanderbilt, Florida, Auburn, North Carolina. So let's just take out the bowl game because we have no idea how the bowl system is going to work. But let's just take out six and six. In this 40-team thing, you're not going to have an Eastern Illinois. You're not going to have an East Carolina. You're not going to have Troy. Take those away. You're already sitting at three and six from your last year. Are you going to turn around against Georgia? Probably not. Are you going to turn around against Kentucky? It doesn't look likely right now. Tennessee, they're out recruiting you already. Vanderbilt, you beat them by one. Texas A&M, you're not out recruiting them already. Florida, you beat. Will they be bad all the time? No, but who knows? Missouri, you lost to. Auburn, you barely you beat one of the worst Auburn teams I've seen in the last few years. And then you got skunked by Clemson. You're going three and six, and you could easily have gone like one and eight in those in those games. Is that enjoyable to a fan? If at the if at the most, because I mean you look at a Georgia, at a Florida, and Auburn, you'd assume they'll probably replace one of those one of those easy conference games with the with the Bama, so that's four. They might get catch an Ohio State and a Michigan, that's six. Are you how do you sell to your fans? three, four wins a year. You don't. You can't. And I think that's something that's been offered up when we talked about all of these super conferences is I think behind the scenes there's people that I've talked that I've talked to about this and some of them have been like, oh well, you know, 32, 40 teams, you know, keep the the games at the highest level, et cetera, et cetera. From a football perspective, yeah, sure, it might it'll be the highest level. Those fans aren't going to stay for long and and People who have to sell tickets know that. And a lot of people that I've talked to have been like, no, I think it's going to be around a, around a 60 team thing. And, you know, it might just end up being all the power five conferences, which is hilarious. Um, but you need teams that are, except that are, I mean, a Vandy, Northwestern, that are Rutgers, Maryland, Washington State, that are going to sit there and be okay with taking a beating for a bag. And then you're also going to want teams that, are going to want to they're going to want to try to bet on themselves. That's one of the better things about the the NCAA, about the NFL is if you suck in the NFL, you get stuff other than other than money from that. You get the number 1 draft pick. You don't get that if you suck in college football. You get worse. You get less money, you get less recruits. You get less fans. 
there is no advantage to you being bad in that unless you're someone that's okay being bad. And I don't think those teams in deep SEC country and these teams that are these these have these histories of being these rabbit fan bases are going to be okay with being bad, with being two and three win teams. And I think that's where a school like Wake comes in, offered up as a, you know, as a, I don't know, you know, meet to the Lions. I don't think that's where they'll actually be. We'll see how this year goes. I don't think that's what it's going to actually be. But, but I just, uh, I, there, I don't think there's room for a league that it's only 32 teams. I think that it, it'll piss way too many people off. And also people are like, I don't know if I'll sit there and watch a league. And I am, I am a sicko, man. I have sat there and watched an entire UCLA game in 2019 against Washington State where they erased a 32-point deficit and scored 50 points in the second half when I was both at home at a bar. Went out and watched that at a bar and the rest of it. I have no interest in watching South Carolina get their teeth kicked in by Ohio State for the fifth time in a row. I have no interest in that. I know a lot of people in the South have no interest in that. A lot of people on the West Coast have no interest in that. And they're, while they're brands, it's still, at a certain point, you have to have a product worth selling to people. And I think regionalizing it, when it's, diff, it's different than the NFL. In the NFL, you have 32 teams. And there are a lot of college kids that cannot cut it in the NFL, which is why it's whittled down so much. And the NCAA, there we see it throughout this entire sequence of NIL and tampering and all the stuff. Of there are a lot of players, a lot of teams that can play, while they're not necessarily the blue chip ratio. Or you know, you have a Bama that has all the four and five stars, and Clemson has all the four and five stars. You look at Awake and you go, Sam Hartman can start for a lot of teams in the SEC. A.T. Perry and Donovan Green would be two players. The SEC and Big Ten would, would be chopping at the bit, have been chopping at the bit to get. Look at their running backs. Fine. Zach Tom last year was a was a people need left tackles and people would have paid a hefty price for, for Zach Tom. Boogie, Rondell, Kalen, Carson, Gavin Holmes, like all these people that like there are a lot of play, like, there are teams that have a lot of players, and it's not. I think there's a difference between having a team that isn't necessarily a four and five stars like a Bama playing them and a team that isn't a bunch of pros playing. I'll even say the Detroit lions at a certain point or the New York jets. There's a difference in the, in, in that level of that. And that's where I think a team like Awake can come in and be a team that while it's being brought in as, fodder for the cannons is still a team that would be including that i don't think that they're gonna sit there and i don't see a way that a team like an fsu signs up to be a punching bag for the next 10 20 years it doesn't make sense you don't get anything of it besides money and money only goes so long when you don't have people watching it in the stands and while it seems like oh this is just a small school kid small school person covering a small school saying that Georgia Tech isn't a small school. I sat there and watched that train wreck of what they've done in the last few years. And I mean, Georgia Tech has almost 30,000 students. And that place looks empty from time to time because they look so bad. It can it can be full, but 
when you start losing, those fans stop coming. And that's not just a smart school thing. That's a no one likes losers. No one likes it. And so, I, I it, but it does suck. And I, I get it sucking, and it's something that I kind of struggle with in terms of between sports writing and between being a fan of college sports myself. That a lot of stuff it kind of, it's kind of going away. Like I mentioned, the the wacky. Uh, UCLA Washington State game, you know I don't. You don't get to watch that in a couple of years. Like that, that, like that's gone. Like I don't get to watch a wacky like Pac-12 after dark anymore because they might be gone. I don't get to watch like the random bad LSU LSU team somehow somehow pulling things off because of it. they threw Florida threw a shoot. You know like, I don't. I don't like the idea or the argument that things should stay the same because of history. I think it's a very, very, very slippery slope. And I think if you say because of history, you have to take the good with the bad. And the other thing that's good because of what's happened in history also is also bad because of history. But I do think there are things that I do think there are things that end up hurting the game and Part of that is taking away some of the regionality and some of the things that we've grown to like. And I, I think it's okay to be sad about that. I don't know if that's the reason to like hate it, but I think it's a, I, it's okay to be like, you know what, that kind of sucks, man. It does. Change is inevitable, and we're all we're already going to always going to get there. But I just it just it feels weird sometimes, like sitting back and looking at the map of the Big Ten and being like, oh, what are what are these, I, not even just for football, it's USC tennis, what are they going to do when they have a midweek matchup against Rutgers? They're flying on a Tuesday at 7 a.m. or 5 a.m. really to really get to the other side of the coast and then play a match and then fly right back? And have them stay out there for an entire week and miss an entire week and a half of schools? Like, I'm someone that's like, yo, student athletes, they are, they are student and athletes. They deserve to get paid, but they're also student athletes. Like, there's so much just student welfare. And I, I think differently of this than I did the ACC scheduling change because you're still playing a lot of the same teams. You're still staying in your region. That's fine. But this is just like a, just stretching out coast to coast. I just kind of go like, you know, you can even feign to care about student welfare, student athlete welfare. You couldn't even, you couldn't even like attempt to do it. And that doesn't sit and that doesn't sit right with me. That doesn't sit right with a lot of people of the idea of money. Like I don't I don't I I I think it's a difference between the two between that and and this and the and the AC scheduling because of the AC scheduling I I, I look at Wake and North Carolina State, NC State. They're still playing this year, next year, and the year after. They have the possibility of scheduling them on conference two years after that. And then also, I'm it, it's not permanent. It's not something that's like, we're not using the ACT to go, like, oh, yeah, no, we're scrapping these divisions, and now, you know, in 10 years, we're not going to be playing against C-State because of that. I look at this and just go, like, this is just pure. And I, I look at that and I go, well, okay, they're doing what they need to do to survive. And I think we can all agree 
that not playing something for a year or two to keep the ACC intact is a lot better than doing nothing and the ACC falls apart in two years. I think people would rather have something rather than nothing. Now with this, the realignment, it, it, as a fan, it feels like it sucks. I, I try to keep my like fandom at like a base here, but it's hard, you know. Like, like it's it, it's hard sometimes because you know with every change and when they added Syracuse and Pitt and um and and Louisville and you're like okay cool you know what I can do that because it added more more teams to like something and you know it kind of felt weird but you know you know what it's fine like we'll still have we'll make some a little adjustments here and there this is a massive adjustment and it's something that like we're just sitting here being used as kind of pawns and just being like okay cool like we're being assumed that we're just gonna watch anything they put out. And as a fan, I have a problem with that. Like I said, I watch a bunch of crappy football all the time, but like I watch that because it's my choice to watch that, not because I'm forced to watch what's there. I watch the Mac, I watch Mac on Tuesdays because I enjoy watching the Mac. I watch because it's the only thing on Tuesday. I watch App State play midweek because I enjoy watching, enjoy watching football and watching Mac. I don't watch it because it's the only thing on TV. I don't watch the ACC because it's the only thing that they show in my, my household. I watch it. I watch that and I watch other teams because I enjoy scrolling around and doing that. And I feel like that is taken away from like a lot of people. And, you know, it's hard to narrow the stance of like, no, this is going to be better football to watch, which is enjoyable. And that's, it's really enjoyable to watch high level football. I love watching the, the the college football playoff when they have the sky cam and actually being able to see all 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 the players um, on the field and being able to watch be able to watch that like the all twenty two view. I'm incredible when you get to like listen to coaches kind of break down you know what's the formations going there. I think that's really incredible and that's what helps grow the game. I don't think having thirty two forty eight teams or even sixty four teams all jumbled into this conference, this super conference grows the game. I don't I don't think that does it at all. Like our kids supposed to grow up and be like, yeah, Sonny, you know, Rutgers and Rutgers and Mississippi State always been con- conference like, no, like I wasn't alive for the Braves being in the NL West or the Cardinals being in the in the NFC East. But like that was a little weird to me too. It still looks weird to me that that Philly and Dallas are in the NFC East. Like those two teams aren't near each other. I have people on Twitter tell me like, "Oh, look at that." I'm like, I don't care. Like that also looks weird to me too. Like road trip wise, like this sucks. Stuff like that sucks. If you're a fan of Wisconsin, you gotta go out to U, um, USC or UCLA. You gotta travel. You gotta you gotta budget for an entire trip across the country for a September October game. Why in California is expensive enough as it is? There's also nothing I really care about with like, if, if I'm a Wisconsin fan, do I care about playing USC? 
Like I can grow to care about playing as, as a Wake fan. I can grow to care about playing with the obviously Duke. I can grow to care about playing Virginia Tech. It's like a lot of crap. And the whole Dave Costin saga was kind of funny. So and it's also a a two hour drive. <laughs> I can you can get you can get to to hating Georgia Tech. That's a it's a five hour drive. It's not bad. Get to drive all the time in college. You can you can do that with people that are near you. You can do it with Pitt. You can do that with Syracuse. So. Wake and BC, while it was more lighthearted, had a fun "quote unquote" the rivalry. That that's fun, but like I don't, you don't get to do that with a team that's all the way across the country with you. Like that doesn't make sense. Notre Dame and and USC have done it. And I guess is the counter argument there, and it's like I don't, I don't care about that. A lot, of my, a lot of people around me don't care about USC, Notre Dame, or Stanford, Notre Dame. Like cool. The South, the South doesn't really care about that, and then that's why I think part of regionality is like you know, people in the South grow up around South football. I'm like, oh yeah, we got to watch Notre Dame, Stanford. Like, no, we don't care about that. And I think it, it, if you're telling me that those only 32 or 40 teams really matter, I think the biggest thing it takes away from the kids who go to who go to school that isn't their home, which is a lot of people. And end up being these lifelong fans of these teams. And you can kind of just say, like, oh, sorry, not good enough, whatever. Like, that's not how that works. Like, I'm not, my, me enjoying something isn't invalidated because of where I went to school. This isn't a job. This isn't like, this isn't me saying, oh, no, you didn't go to Harvard or Princeton. You can't go to this, you can't do this specific job with a specific company that only hires Harvard and Princeton people. No, this is me watching college football. A bunch of kids my well, when I was in college, my age, like play I mean I have calculus with them after this. Like that was one of the best things for me about going to Wake was I got out of I got out of my out of Atlanta, became a fan of this team in Winston-Salem, North Carolina that like I didn't know much about until I was probably 14, 15, even though watching ACC. Wake, Wake, and, ACC, Wake and Georgia Tech, I guess, played in, in those six. Uh, I knew them, but it's like, they're not really the team to think about. And most teams in ACC, I didn't really care about Miami or Florida State. I cared about the teams where I'm at. You know, I grew to love this new this new place. And a lot of my friends that I, I went to college with are from San Francisco and from Boston and from New Jersey and from Florida. And they all really, really love like Wake Forest. And that the same goes for a Georgia Tech and same goes for a, a Cal and same goes for a Washington State and all these different schools of like, there are just tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of like college experiences that you kind of are just saying, ah, screw it, it doesn't matter. Like you guys don't make us enough money you're a second, third rate school, move on. You're going to watch the product anyway. And I think that's an insult to my intelligence and an insult to the stuff that I like. None of us want to be told what to like, what to, what to like, what to do. I don't want, I, I get enough of that in my, in my day job. That isn't sports writing. I don't want that in my college football. I want to watch, I want to watch and I want to enjoy that. And I, while schools aren't going to stop playing football, it's just less excitement when if it's something that, you know, Wake gets left out or a team I care about gets left out of whatever the super conference is and I'm sitting there being like, okay, cool, what do I do now? And like, 
option two, you know, what do I do here? Like, you know, everyone's throwing out the, the fun relegation stuff, but, you know, what am I supposed to do about this if there's no relegation or no chance of me achieving a national title? Am I supposed to just kind of be like happy with what I, with what I have? No. And I think that, and I think that really sucks. I think that really invalidates what a lot of us grew up to love. Like, so sorry I didn't choose to grow up to love UGA or so sorry I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up in Tuscaloosa or I didn't, I didn't go to Tuscaloosa or I didn't go to USC or I didn't go to Michigan. Like, I shouldn't have to be penalized for that and sitting here and put into this bucket because some soup who couldn't give a flying, you know, what about it, about anything else besides how much, how many dollars are in his, are in his pocket wants to show, wants to show a specific amount of teams. And that sucks. And I get why that sucks. And it really, and it really hurts. And, and, it, and it's something that it's hard. And I, and I think a lot of me, members, myself included, have to strike a better balance of, of acknowledging, you know, what's good for the game and what's good for TV, but also for the fans of like, the fans are the reason this is so big. And if the fans aren't happy and the fans are watching it, and there'll be a lot of people that are going to watch it regardless because like, you know, it's football, whatever. But I get a lot of it. I get people when they're like, you know, maybe this turns me off of this. And it's like, you know, once it sinks in, I'm like, yeah, you know, that, that makes sense. You know, and it sucks. Um, and I don't like leaving on a somber note, but that's just kind of how it feels. Like, I mean, it's, we're in this sort of situation that we're in a holding pattern of, of I don't know. And we're going to sit here and figure that out. And I'm going to be right there with you and we'll see where this goes. As always, I hope if you do like it, please give it five stars on Spotify, podcast, wherever you get your podcast at. Really does appreciate it. Leave a review. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll hopefully have some guests on. Um, I have some exciting people that I'm excited to talk to. Um, also, if you have any questions that you want, to want me to answer on podcast, tweet at me, send me an email at insidetheforest1834 at gmail.com. From the message board, 247 message boards, or bloggers are dear. Leave a comment. I'll add it to the podcast. Um, yeah. As always, go Deeks.